welcome to a cool boy edition of ARG Presents. I say that because the cool boy in the house, your good friend, your good buddy, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who I wouldn't refer to as roguelike, but I would refer to as goof-like. I give you the Brent. I think you need to kill that intro, start back from the beginning, randomize it a little bit, and try again. No, no. Cool boy <laughs> is the way we're going with today. Cool boy, that's bad. Listen. Last you know, Aaron, I'm glad oh, yeah? that you left this outlet just sitting on the table here. Listen, can... <laughs> you never know when during the show we need to plug something in. <laughs> so, hold the wheel up. I want to show the newcomers here. Last week we spun this here wheel, and we made a deal with this wheel. And Brent, the deal was sitting right here before us. Yes. I may grab it here. And it is a thing we call roguelikes. Roguelike games. Who, who suggested that one, uh, the brand? That was from our good friend, Steve W. Steve W. And so the way this works for you newcomers is we spin this wheel, randomly pick whatever shows up on the wheel, and then we go and pick two games from the category. It can be categories, it can be computers, it can be consoles, it's all kinds so, of wackiness. You know, we never really go to any recaps when we do these things. <laughs> nope. Of all the years we've done this. <laughs> so for those who need it for the first time, there you go. Now, Brent, you know, roguelikes. It's funny, yes. you, we just played a roguelike not too long ago. No, we played a rogue. Oh, we played the rogue. original rogue. Well, I mean, it is roguelike. It's the likiest <laughs> of a rogue. No, it's not like, it yeah. is. Now, you have a better, a longer... More thorough history with these sorts of games than I do. What is the appeal of these deadly, random games that keep these things fresh and they keep them coming back for more? What is it? Different every time. Right. That's the, obviously, that's the big one, right? High, high risk. Yeah. Everything's a risk, which makes everything more exciting. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about doing a little bit better than you did the time before. Yeah. Well, when they're done right. But we'll get into that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's the fun. They, that's the appeal of it. Uh, it's not about uh, you know beating the game. If there, most of these roguelikes don't even have an end. Well, I would say it's about fifty fifty from the ones I've played. But it's about learning what what monsters or magic or weapons or items best help you. Hope you get them, and when you get them, man, that's when you get real excited. And you think I'm going to really take this one farther than I've ever taken it before. Right. And then you ultimately get killed by the next thing you run into. I was going to say, because, see, you're, that sounds great. I'm yeah. listening to that, you know, and I'm like, man, he's really building this. But, I mean, I, in my experience, you load up the game, you pretty much get insta-killed. Or if you start to make any progress and you think you're doing great, then you get killed. And then you start <laughs> over. And I'm thinking to myself, holy smokes, now, the, the definition of what a roguelike is, uh, it's so it's, up in the air. It's all over the map. Yeah, we've I, played a couple in this show. Of course, we did play Rogue. Yes, we just saw the uh, the the uh, Vic Twenty game that we played uh, a while back. I think like Sword of Forgal or something like that, mm -hmm. which we did play, and we both enjoyed that. Yes. Would you consider something like Dungeons and Dragons on the Intellivision? Is it, would you consider that a roguelike? Or no, we, no, that's not no. one. Mm -mm. No, in fact, the the ones we cover today. Yeah. Some would absolutely say that is not a roguelike. Really? Yeah, and we'll get into that when uh, we get to your You'll game. You'll have to explain that to me. Now, we also, uh, one of the games I saw on this roguelike list that you see scrolling before you if you're watching the video was uh, the card game that we played on this show that was off of Steam. Uh, uh, Slay the Spire? Slay the Spire. Mm -hmm. Now, you, I, that struck me as odd 
How does the a card game like that fit into the roguelike category? Because for me, it, I'm not saying it doesn't. It just seemed odd to me. Random maps. Okay. <coughs> it has uh, random encounters. Okay. In those encounters, your rewards, the cards, the 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 items you get, yeah. are all randomized. Um, this, it follows more of the evolution of roguelikes, yeah. where it is a almost like a legacy system. Yeah. Things that you obtain sort of help you later down the line because you can uh, unlock more cards. And while you don't necessarily get those cards, those cards go into your random pool, so your random pool is expanded. Okay. Um, that is a new take on stuff like that, I, which I'm thumbs up for. Uh, another way of looking at it, some games say, you know, if you get X weapon or stat or ability, it actually passes down to your next gameplay. Yeah. And you keep building on that. Uh, that's a, another roguelike uh, newer feature that has really taken that the genre by storm. Um, and I'm, I'm good with all of them. I know that uh, some people say, you know, if it's not a random map, every single thing, absolutely random. I mean, if you run into a level 100 in your first encounter, that's just the way it is because it's random. Uh, for me, that's a, that's a bridge a bit too far. But, I mean, I like those type of games too. I play those type of games too. Okay, now, when I asked for some advice, because uh, I, I needed some advice from the viewers, and I asked them about some games to play, and they mentioned a lot of newer games. Uh, you kind of keep your pulse on that sort of thing. Are there what are the new hot, the hot new hotnesses in the roguelike uh, arena? Is there anything that you play that's more modern? Um, aside from something like Slay the Spire. Well, I mean, Slay the Spire is probably the one of uh, the roguelikes of recent year that I've played the most of. Yeah, and really enjoyed uh, Binding of Isaac. I've heard it, of that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really, <laughs> I, I played both of those so much yeah. uh, that those are what gets stuck into my head. Yeah. Uh, it's But it's an ever-evolving genre. I mean, you've got ones that are based off of pinball machines now. Or based off, oh yeah. Can you explain that? Like, it, what? It's can, just can a roguelike that has pinball elements. Weird. Because um, I love you know, pinball. Branching paths yeah. and, and uh, you get different power-ups through... Uh, you know, items that you can hit the bumper off of or spin something so many times. Right. Uh, they've got roguelikes that are uh, sort of like Peggle games now. Um, it's it's taking the formula and sticking it into different gameplay elements. Hmm. Most of those are kind of outside my comfort zone. I like to kind of stick with the fantasy themes, yeah. but. You know, it's it's not bad. I think it's fine. Interesting. Well, that's good information for me because, like I said, this is sort of you're leaving my and the thing is that I knew of these games, just not games I ever played that much. So this week I got sort of a crash course, Brent. We might as well go ahead and kick it off. Uh, I'm going to let you lead the dance this week. Absolutely. You're, you're, you were sort of the king dong of of this sort of genre. So what did you bring to the table this week? I'm going to be taking a look at Scarab of Raw. From the old Mac OS class. Yeah, this one was a surprise to me because yes. we, we don't do much on the. Have we? I think we haven't done any Macs since we played on the Mac. Since we since Mac came up on yeah. the wheel, that's correct. Um, this is a very interesting twist on the on the genre. 
from all the way back in 1987. Uh, and I want to talk about the man behind the game before we get into the game, Aaron. All right. Uh, Rick Holzgraf. He is the, the, the mind behind this madness. Uh, the game was published by Semicolon Software. Like I said, it was released back in 1988 as a shareware game. Rick has lived an incredibly interesting life. In fact, if I wanted to model my life after someone, like, I would have went his path. <clears throat> Dude is a software engineer, right? Okay. Make games, does software, all that good stuff. He is also a jazz musician. Okay. A fencer, like, the, with uh, the foils and everything. Yeah. Plus, he makes board games. Oh, man. And have you done anything <clears throat> we played? He has not. His main two board games are Village of Valeria, and it has its many expansions. It's a semi-popular game from board game, uh, as, according to Board Game Geek. And you also have rail his railway system, which is railways to the Western U.S. and railways to the United States. I've heard of that. <clears throat> uh, not quite as popular, or actually more popular, I should say than uh, the Village system, but not quite as many games totally released for it. But they're all published games. So he has a wide spectrum that he has in, he has toyed with throughout his life. And Scarabs of Raw was definitely one of them. What makes this a unique roguelike, Aaron? First-person perspective. Yeah. And that is odd. Very odd. Uh... In fact, I was sitting here trying to think of another first-person perspective roguelike game, and none of them came to mind. I have to ponder that, because there are a ton of games that are like this, but I don't know if they would be qualified for this sort of genre. Right. And what makes this a roguelike? Well, thing one, all of the maps are procedurally generated. Mm -hmm. every, every time you log in, every time you start up, random everything. <clears throat> This does have a mission or a goal uh, to collect the three parts of uh, the staff and get out. You play in Aaron in this if you ever, if you went and read the story about it. Yeah. You play as a fledgling arch uh, not architect. I did that wrong last thing. <laughs> Archaeologist. Big, yeah, big difference. <laughs> and you happen to just come across this tomb. And you're like, oh, I'm going in. Yeah. Forget everything else. Uh, you have to worry about a lot of survival aspects. You have to eat. Uh, you know, you you have to watch your weight, your carry weight. You can't just pick up everything that you want. Um, gold is just points, but you know, if you're trying to get high score, that's one of the things you're doing. And when you pick up these items you don't necessarily know what you're supposed to do with them. And some of them are, like, super obscure. Just like like night glasses or, like, a, a, a mirror, right? And part of it is trying to figure out the different items and what they do. This is also, Aaron, a 100% violent-free game. You don't kill anything in this. You can use your items... Uh, even though your items include things like bull whips, you don't use them to kill. You use them to chase the monsters away because mm. all the monsters are mythical. So there's you know there's no um, there's nothing you can do to actually kill them. 
you go through and the map grows like a pyramid. Your first map, your first floor is a three by three map, and then it's a four by four and a five by five, and you explore this randomly generated map uh, and find the items and deal with the encounters, deal with traps. You have to worry about keeping a light source because all the time it's slowly getting darker and you have to keep uh, activating a light source. Um, traps. To deal with traps, you have different items than you have than to deal with monsters. And once you collect the first treasure, the first of the three, that's when the mummy comes after you. And the mummy is a, a inescapable boss. And it's all, technically the only one you quote and won't kill, but it keeps coming back. So <clears throat> it's a very interesting take on the genre. Uh, I spent probably two hours, not a ton of time, uh, going through trying to see how far I could get down. I made it down to about the fifth floor. Yeah. And the thing is, I consistently made it to the fifth floor and just could not find my way around it. It does have a map. Um, yeah, the map is... I couldn't believe that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... it's You have you to even make notes on the map, the different spots in the, in, the, in the dungeon, which is real nice. Right. And something, for those that aren't able to watch the video, uh, it's all black and white. Well, that's yeah. It's that's the max, right? The um, and you have directions up, down, left, right. U turn, strafe left, strafe right. Yeah. So, and it the the maze is your typical line maze, and it is nice enough that it has random wall markings, so you can kind of get around. Uh, funny thing about that, Aaron. The, uh, the creator was asked if there was a hidden message there. Because this guy is, is known to do these kind of funky things in his game. He was like, no, absolutely not. And because yeah. people tried to find hidden meaning in them, even, even if they weren't really there. Uh, this guy has a cult following, just like this game. Uh, this is a, a big Mac game back in the day, Aaron. What did you think about Scarab the Frog? Well, I'll be honest with you, my... Uh, um my use on the on the Mac is limited. Yeah. But the one thing when I do play these old Mac games, the one thing I like about it is the fidelity of the image on these. Yes. They're they're very sharp. Yes. And so there's no you, doubt about that. When you look at these games, uh, the creatures and stuff are the the are really glossy, cool looking. And yes. Well the, drawn. The, the uh, I mean, this is like the the view of this is sort of your standard. 3D old school like one you know move one block at a time. It's nothing to write home about, but they do spruce it up with some nice graphics of various items. Like you said, the the uh, the, the uh, hieroglyphics on the wall are cool, and the monsters are look really cool. It yep. is. It was strange to me that you couldn't ha you didn't have swords and stuff. Right. And, and he, did he say why he made the game like that? <laughs> he did. Uh, he said that. Well, his his official stance is well, we got enough violent video games, out yeah, there, right. But uh, behind the scenes stance is well, if you if I made it where you just had to chase the monsters away, I didn't have to go through fighting animations and death oh, animations and and do all that extra work, so it was just easier to make them run away. Yeah, and one thing about the monsters, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, 
not all monsters are just out to kill you. For example, the monkeys, their main thing is to steal your stuff. Yeah, and I they know. steal your food, which is super bad. Yeah, and I think you. I, I remember getting to a, uh, a couple points where like there, you could just kind of sneak past stuff. Yes. Yeah, which was pretty cool. You adjust your speed in this. Yeah. You can set it between 1 and 10, and the slower you move, the more likely you are to set off traps, but the uh, you're more likely to run past monsters. Yeah. I mean, this game... Listen, or, I'm sorry. Let me correct that, because yeah. I know the comment section will blow up with it. The slower you move, you are more likely to sneak past sleeping monsters... But uh, you're also more likely to get caught in traps. Okay. That's how it works. So, <clears throat> having not seen this before, the 3D part of this is pretty much, like I said, with the exception of the nice quality graphics, it's pretty much standard fare. I would agree. The, uh, but what makes this thing uh, better than most are the, the additional options that this guy has at your disposal. The uh, status is nice and right in front of you. You can tell what's going mm -hmm. on. He's got a, uh, a hint section. Uh, he's got an inventory section where you can have all your stuff graphically shown. It's also what I like, like I mentioned, was the mapping. You can actually change the way the maps are viewed, yeah. which is nice. You can change what the map, what gets automatically mapped if you want it to automatically map. You can add also, notes. You can add yep. the notes, of, and they put a, a mark on the map where the note was as you spiral down. That stuff is real well done. I like the... Uh, the use of picking up stuff and just you'll come over and it says it's there. You you click on pick it up and it's there. There's not a lot of baloney. The uh, uh, the controls on this I read I don't have a keypad on the machine I played this on, but I read it. You can use the keypad. I would the keypad would be the better way to go. You could probably whip through it quicker than just click on a button. But they have that sort of same sort of like ah the beholder you know like yeah. arrow block. You know I mean listen is this a reinvention of the wheel? No, but they certainly perfected the wheel. Now, I'd have to think about what was going on in 1988 on PCs and and, uh, uh, and whatnot, because that's still fairly early in the game, but you were yeah. getting some pretty decent stuff. I doubt they had the graphical fidelity of this uh, because of the... Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they took advantage of that. Like I said, yes. I thought they did a pretty good job. I would kind of like to see a more fleshed out, like, proper dungeon crawling... You know, XP fest with swords and shields and stuff. But Alex said, "I can the, the fact that this I believe this was free, wasn't it at the time? This was a shareware game, yeah. So I mean, as a shareware game, I would have been head over heels, yeah, to pick this bad boy up. It's because it's it gives you a lot of different options, uh, and it's it's pretty well done for uh, for this particular type of game, which is not my favorite." But, I mean, if you're going to play one of these games, and God knows I've played a mean of these, and you know Boat hates these. Yeah. So he always complains. And it is, there's a lot to not like when you just walk through a, a series of white halls one step at a time. It can get irritating. You have trouble getting, uh, figure out what you're doing. That's the biggest problem with it. So when you've got a robust map system, that's one thing you don't have to worry about as much. Because you can correct. You're not going to get as lost. Now, you're still going to get lost, trust me. Yes. Even with a robust map system, you're looking through, it's like, the ice caverns of Pale Town. I mean, it's super <laughs> white in here. And so even with the little stuff on the walls, I mean, you can see why he put that stuff up there. Yeah, you gotta are, have it. Those are also <laughs> well done. Yeah. They look pretty authentic. And you can see why they're there. But even with all that stuff, it's still difficult to get through yes. to get through this thing. Uh, but uh, I, I think as a, as a piece of software that was basically given away... Uh, you could do much, much worse than this. I think this is really sort of a 
Uh, I, you know, I read a lot of people that had a lot of fond memories of this one back in the day. Absolutely. This, <laughs> leave it to the Mac folks. This was given uh, best Egyptian adventure and 3D maze. What? <laughs> By Mike World. <laughs> that is a real that's a real that's a real precise category. How many was there any opposition to this? Uh, it was it that was part of its shareware and public domain awards in nineteen eighty seven. So they it may really drill down to some specific games. Uh, now Aaron, like I said, I this has a bit of a cult following yeah. uh, of the Mac people out there. Uh so much so that they re released this this year, really, in 2022, uh, as an as an iOS download. So if this tickles your fancy, and you're making, man, I would love to get me some of that. And you're on the uh, uh, the iOS world, you can go grab it right now. Yeah, <laughs> I will say I wanted a couple of things. We didn't get any reviews on this one this week, and I think Correct. one of the reasons is. People were a little hesitant to dip their toe into the Mac pool. And I will say this for anyone that's interested. This game is available and fully playable on archive.org. Yes. Uh, and it, and which, uh, it plays great. That's where I played it. I had no problems. So if you want to just, if you want to just, uh, you know, give this thing a test drive, uh, this would not Absolutely. be the worst way to do it. You know, uh, <clears throat> archive.org is a real handy tool for playing classic gaming. I'm not sure how many people know that you could do that. But I mean, you can play it right there on the website, and, and like I said, I was telling Brent, I was I didn't know that they had classic Mac emulation that was that was available on there, but it does. And it, I was it's very, good too. I was it's very, real good. I was very very impressed. And uh, I'm assuming this isn't something you could buy anywhere. There won't be any eBay on Correct. this one. Correct. And I'm assuming since it was public domain, it didn't get any reviews on it. So Cor- well, <laughs> it, it won the award that it, that it won, and mm. uh, like I said, I think it's five dollars if you want to grab it from the iOS store. Right. And uh, the iOS version. Is still black and white, but they did go in and redo all the graphics to so touch no, it up this that is, way. This is the one that came out re- today. Like yes. this year. Oh, this is the one that came yep. out this year. Mm-hmm. It's only iOS. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's too bad because I think this could might get a little bit of a wider audience. You know, this sort of uh, no, me, I disagree really? because yeah, because this <clears throat> the, this type of game it's going to hit the the uh, retro feels yeah. and that's that, that's going to be the people who are motivated to come pick it up it's funny that these games linger though we were yeah. talking about sort of for uh forgle uh Foger on the uh, vic 20 and that one got released in a bunch of different systems too and now it seems to get revived and move and pulled in over and over you know some of those games they always tend to come back around and so i guess this is going to be another one i really i think i'm surprised uh, I hate to say this, but good job, uh, the Brent. That was <laughs> I was stunned at that. I'll be honest with you. So <clears throat> I had no idea what I was going to pick. I had no idea, and so I I wretched I wretched I, I'm a, I'm <laughs> oh, there a you go. I mentioned that I reached out to try to get some help, uh, but ultimately I did end up stumbling upon one, and it's one that I'd actually seen before many times and never played a whole lot. Okay. And uh, that game was Telengard. Uh, I chose to play the DOS version of Telengard, but you could pretty much play any of them and get pretty much the same experience, I think. And I've heard the word on the street is that the C64 version is quite good. I played the DOS CGA version of this. Uh, this game... As uh, did I, by the way. ...published and developed by the very, very famous Avalon Hill Game Company, 
who uh, did board games, yeah, that, a war game. That board that, game, computer game mesh, we yeah. really got it going on this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Avalon Hill have just done dozens and dozens and dozens of games. Absolutely. And we've been around for, we're around for a while. Uh, this, uh, the version I'm playing for Dolls was released in 85. And this was written by a fellow named Daniel Michael Lawrence. He only has one credit uh, on Moby, which is for another game called D&D, but it's really the same game. So I want to give you, I went to his webpage and he has a little write-up about how this game came into existence. And I want to talk, I want to kind of read some of this verbatim here because it gives you a good crossover, uh, a cross-section of what he was doing. So uh, this game uh, originated way, way back in somewhere in the ballpark of 70, uh, 77, 78, 79, that era. Uh, this is the words uh, directly from Daniel Michael Lawrence when he says, I went to college at Purdue University and quickly ported D&D to our RSTSE system there in 77 <laughs> through 79. It was very popular, and some students even said it caused them to fall, drop out of school. Okay, this D&D wow. game. It also made me unpopular with the computer staff at Purdue. Uh, they basically told him, you're killing our our network here at Purdue. Please stop now. And so <laughs> he had a summer in 78 where he ponied up, he says, that's his words, he ponied up 1200 bucks to get a Ooh. Commodore PET 2001. And he rewrote uh, D&D in basic and, and named it Telengard. And that's where Telengard got its release. This thing actually... Uh, was uh, was pulled out of the colleges because they he wanted to play it at home, and they didn't want him playing it there. I mean, think about this: if you're going to Purdue and you flunk out because you're playing telling that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, so eventually, he rewrote this for the IBM PC and UC, and this is sort of famous. This story. It says unfortunately the source code for the C version was lost, but he does still have the binaries. And he released oh, okay. these games to for free. These are in yep. the public domain, so uh, you can play Telengard uh, at your leisure. Telengard was released on a slew of systems, uh, including the Apple II, the Atari 8-bits, of course, the C64, the PET, uh, uh, CPM, uh, the FM7, the PC88, uh, the PC98, and the TRS-80 version, and believe it or not, there's a Windows version. Yeah, I kind of looked a good for, spread. I looked for the Windows version, but I could not find it. Maybe it's out there, but I did not. I didn't see it. Uh, I remember loving the cover for this, which the cover of Telling Guard is this dragon that's kind of descending down with its wings out. It's real cool looking. Uh, this the art for that was done by a fellow named Greg uh, Theakston, and he man, what a what a job he did on yeah. that. So uh, this game has all the things you would like if you're a D&D fan, which is what I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so with all that said, let's get into the particulars of Telengard. What is this game? Well, uh, in the uh, in the tradition of the roguelikes, uh, this is a game with basically, well, this one has basically no backstory. Uh, you're descending into the dungeon, and you're trying to uh, get through and make money and get experience and pretty simple stuff. Um so this game is pretty, yeah, let's say, immense in its size. Yeah. It has 50 levels and allegedly has 2 million rooms uh, that are possible. It's got 20 monster types as well. Uh, every All sorts of undead creatures, dwarves, hobbits, 
uh, uh, dragons, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. You know, it's D and D. This is this is straight up D and D. Yes. Uh, it also has 36 spells because you happen to be playing a warrior ma- mage. Effectively. Yeah, yeah, you're, the, the, you're definitely uh, cross-classing. It's the dream class of the of the era. Um, so uh, this game starts out by first of all, it starts out on the DOS version with making the most annoying noise that you have ever heard. I had the TV turned up every time I played this, and it would come on. It just sounds like a long beep, and it just want. You, makes you want to deafen yourself. Yeah. Everyone in my house asks what the heck that was. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to turn that down. Uh, but yeah, it's, I muted pretty shortly after that. I don't a, think I ever unmuted. Yeah, it's actually playing a little ditty. So, I mean, it does have what I would, I guess you could call music uh, if you wanted to. Uh, you, The first thing you do is decide if you want to load a character, uh, start the game, or exit the DOS. So it's not like it's filled with a lot of options. When you start a character... Uh, what happens is you actually uh, uh, it actually starts flashing uh, you, f- you know flashing different uh, stats like what what stats do you want and these are the basic D and D stats if you play D and D you get your strength you get your constitution wisdom uh, charisma dexterity uh, and uh, all these that come up and it and it re, it rolls them on a uh, eight or basically three d six or uh, up one to eighteen three to eighteen excuse me no but no it, no well no it doesn't ever give you one two or three yes it does I don't remember ever getting oh, a three yeah. it's not it's not one through eighteen it's or it's not three through eighteen it's one through sixteen I thought it was are you sure it doesn't go up to eighteen I'm sure I saw seventeen nope. in there nope nevertheless this thing spins dice on you and yeah. then you. But the funny thing is, as you go through this, you've got two choices. You can either pick, you can hit enter and pick whatever's on the screen. You can sit there for a second, and it will just go to the next roll. It'll roll again, yeah. Or, uh, you, you know, but that's the way it goes. So you have to pick one, and if you want, if you want the stats that are on the screen, you've got to hit enter before they go away. Yeah. Now, now you can't hit spacebar and... Auto generate next the next dice roll. Yeah, yeah. Or you can hit. I was hitting right the right button or the yeah. right arrow. Now, you'll understand why uh, the stat numbers that I that me and Britt just hogged over don't mean much because they do, they do, but they don't. Because don't get attached to the character you name. No. Because this game took a look at a game like, say, Dragon's Lair and was like, oh, yeah, we can top that in terms of good character death. Because this is probably the deadliest game I've ever seen in my whole life. You can literally die... After you hit one button to stay on the level, yeah. The first thing it asks you when the screen pops up is, "Can you? Do you want to go up the stairs into the sunlight?" Which you can do. You can stay on the level or you go down. Uh, the uh, your the screen and the screen reminded me sort of Brent of of Castle Wolfenstein in a way. Yeah. The way it's laid out. Yeah, the two D one uh, yeah. with the stats on the right and uh, messages flashing along the bottom. With uh, and then the map uh, or the you know the live action map or the side view of the character and the, and the antics that are going on in the dungeon, uh, the monsters that come up are animated. I mean, in, sort in of the version we played. Yeah, the, in the, version the we original played. version it wasn't animated. Well, for DOS again, you got to remember this came out several years after the original yeah. version. So they had time to animate these and put it in CGA graphics. And when I say animated. You may see like uh, the dragon sort of flap, or you may see a guy with like a, with like a sword go like, eh, eh, yeah, it, eh, it's three stab. frames, yeah, three frames. So don't ex- I wouldn't expect that Lord of the Rings here, 
Uh, and then you you have the options to when you explore and come across the monster, you can flee, you can attack them, you can cast a spell on them. Those are generally your options. They will when you come across a a bad guy, it will display what he is, what level he is, and then you go to work. And you don't really know what you need to kill him. You just try to kill him or leave or whatever. Sometimes you can evade and get away. Sometimes the characters will follow you, yep. which happens quite often. Yes. Sometimes you'll come across characters that don't hate you. Or like every once in a while, they will give you goodies. But you really you don't want to take a chance. <laughs> I mean, you'll know pretty quick that they're not going to kill you because you won't be dead. Um, so when combat starts, it's not like you get to really pick what your combat is. You just, you just hit attack. It tells you the damage you did. Now, if you do a spell... It'll ask you for the level spell you want to cast. You can also list the spells after you've picked the level. Uh, some of the early spells are stuff like Turn Undead and stuff like that. Some low-level stuff, which I uh, 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 you'll have success or failure on with your spells based on what uh, you're attacking with the spells and what your level is and what its level is. There's some interesting bits in this game. Uh, for starters, when you gather up gold... Uh, eventually you need to go to a, an inn. Yeah. And you'll come across these as you get to the maps if you live long enough. And when you go to the inn, it gives you, it lets you get a good night's sleep, heal your hit points, and it takes all your gold and turns it into uh, experience points. And you need this experience points to level up your character. Yeah. What happens when you level up? Well, just like in D&D, your character will be stronger. Uh, will do more damage, and it, at certain points will have access to more powerful spells. Uh, uh, and then you also have the option of saving your character. <laughs> now, I want to talk about how saving works in this. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> saving your character, is, I thought to myself, heck, I've got a plan. I'll just save my character right when the game starts, and then get back in the dungeon and romp, through. it'll be great. Well, no, you don't do that. When you save your character at an end, you save your character, it saves it, and then the game ends, and you go back to the main screen. And so it gives you the options to start a new game or load a character. If you load your character that you just saved, he'll load right back up. You're good to go. When he dies, he's gone. <laughs> save a race. <laughs> it, erases, it erases the guy, and you can't use him again. Now, there were hacks on this game. Of course. Hacks of course. are plenty. Don't get me wrong. But in its native form, uh, when that character, uh, when, when you saved him and he died, that character was dead. Yeah. This was the hardest of hardcore games in terms of that sort of stuff. Uh, this game is not, I mean, it's funny for a game as difficult and uh, uh, and seemingly shallow is this this game actually has a lot of stuff that goes on in the game that you may never even know about it's got magic armor it's got magic rings it's got potions it's got trapped trust me does it have trapped treasure boxes <laughs> yeah. these things blow up and you're dead <laughs> uh, it's got all sorts of dnd style like uh, magical weapons it's got areas where you have to cast light uh, it's got, there's a, I was reading about this, and I never saw this, but there's a box you can come across with a bunch of flashing lights on it, and if you type the right code, it, it can give you a ton of treasure. Oh, right. But every time you fail at the code, it just shoots out a monster. And I read that you could, you could have to fight up to 16 monsters when you come to this box. So stuff like that. So it's not like there's, I mean, 
the 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 spells. There's a ton of spells. Like the thirty six spells. Thirty six is a ton of spells. Yes. You know, you've got everything from like webs to lightning bolts to fireballs to cure light ones. You've got a, a full all the D and D crap you would expect yes. to be in a game like this is there. The problem is getting to the point where you can see any of that stuff. Uh, when this game was released, again, I've played the DOS version, but this game came out a couple years early on various machines, including the pad. And they're pretty similar uh, in terms of the way they play. I've played a couple of different ones. One of the things about this game that, I mean, there are multiple things that make this irritating, but one of them that's really bad is it, the game plays in real time. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so if you just sit there for a minute, the game waits like five seconds, and if you don't do anything, it's a, you see the command wait on the screen. That means it just assumes you're not doing anything. Well, just because you're not doing nothing doesn't mean the stuff in the dungeons is going to just sit there and let you sit there. They come and get you. And you can be in combat. You can go and get you a cup of coffee or something. You're guaranteed to be dead. You're not going to make it through two minutes of not doing anything. Now, so, do you know why it's like that? I do know All why. Right. It was because it gets dates back to when it was on the college computers yes. <laughs> where you couldn't have people leaving the computer idle for all that time. So they had to keep people active on the machines. And so they had to, they had to keep that going. And so they brought that to the home version. As ludicrous as that is, yes, if you think about it. I love it. Uh, and so there really is, there's no stopping. Uh, so basically, I mean, this game is as deadly as they come. Um, and so when this was released, and I was dying, I was like, man, I wonder when the reception of this thing was. And I found there was a little bit of reception. There wasn't, it's not like there were a ton of like reviews for the game, but I did find a couple of things that people had written. Uh, Computer Gaming World, May of 83, said, Telengard has one of the most uh, necessary qualities of a good game, the ability to grab your interest and bring it back again for another try. There are features missing, which I would like to have seen included, included in Telengard, but it's an excellent addition to the Dungeon Adventure collection of computer games. They were pretty positive on it, but I also found other places that were not as positive about the game. Uh, so this was also reviewed uh, in uh, the December 1982 issue of the Space Gamer. This would have been for the pet version. All right. Telengard could have been a good game, but it's marred by poor programming and the lack of polish. If you don't want to rewrite it yourself, wait for the second edition. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So uh, a lot of people consider this, uh, I guess, in the roguelike world, there are sort of different levels of, uh, of difficulty. And this apparently is at the tippy top of the most brutal, hardcore gaming. I was told that uh, some of the new games have set like difficulty settings. That and basically the setting for Telengard is like the King Dog yeah, setting easy, of death, medium hard Telengard. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so that something to consider uh, if you're going to give this one a, a shot because it is super freaking hard. Um, you can get this anywhere. Like I said, it's free. You can get it off the author's uh, webpage as well. Hey, I, I should ask you before I get your opinion on this. Had you played Telengard before uh, this time around? No. And so what did you think of this thing, Brent? Well, one thing I want to mention, uh, uh, the author of Telengard recently, well, not recently, it's been a, several years back, he is, he uh, died. Oh, did he? Oh, I'm um, sorry to hear that. But as his, uh, uh, right before he died, he did release this in public domain all all yeah. versions yeah uh so big thumbs up for that yeah um I, and i think i think he understood uh the importance that telling guard had 
uh, for a lot of games that are being produced today and will probably be produced in the future. I love this game. You, you like this? I huh? love this game. Uh, this is now. Let me let me step back. Yes, I love this game. Okay, but this is not a game you sit down and play on a marathon for for four hours. Because literally, you get a lot of games in. Literally, a game of Telengard, if it lasts two minutes, it is literally the best game you've ever played. Yeah. This game pulls zero punches and wants you to die more than anything else in the world. Yeah. And it is just brutal. Yes. Brutal. Uh, <clears throat> you never look for events. Events find you. Yeah. You can, when you start and you have the option to go up into the end, you, your best bet, if you want to really, you're trying to really push Telengard and you want to go really far, your best bet is to not wander away from that room more than one or two steps. Because you want to get something, kill it, find gold, whatever, go back, go back up, heal, your gold turns into experience, uh, which helps advance your character. Another thing, when you start this game, you re-roll until all of those stats are double digits. Yeah. You will spend more time re-rolling stats than you will play in the game for many, many tries. Guaranteed. It does, although, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Not it true. Does. It, no, I mean, it well, does. You know what I mean. Here's the thing. Strength. How hard you hit the guy. Yeah. Uh, 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 wisdom is how much damage you do with spells. Charisma is how likely someone you meet in the dungeon will give you things. Yeah. So if you've got a really high charisma and that level three dragon rolls up, he will give. I had one give me a plus two ring of protection instead of eating me. Yeah. And I was like, woo! And then I died like two things later. Yeah, because like undead doesn't give a crap about your uh, career. <coughs> it has. It, I know that one review talked about no polish, and it, there are flaws. Okay, there are a lot of flaws with Telling Guard, but it has some unique elements as well. For an example, when you run across a demon, it has a little demon portal open up, and the demon comes out of it. Right, and he's got like a whip. If you cast, uh, like, turn undead on a demon, the demon gets angry because it's not an undead. It's a demon. Yeah. And it says something like, uh, the, the demon scoffs at you thinking of him as undead and hits you for blah, blah, blah amounts of damage. Yeah. Little touches like that. Mwah, I love it. Uh, it has things. You can search through rubble. You can search into treasure chests. You can... Jump in holes. You can do all this. All of which can kill you. Yes, but it, it's so <laughs> it's so much fun. I do wish, I do wish that the uh, uh, lifespan of your character was set up to be a little bit longer because yeah. you are. I mean, if you start with a low uh, constitution and your hit points are low. You've got zero chance. It takes 2,000 experience to get to level two. Yeah. I got one character to level three one time. Oh, gosh. I did way better than that. Oh, Holy smoke. Really? Oh, yeah. Lots better. 
Now, to be fair, here's how I played this game. All right. I have a, I have the DOS box version of this, right? So I just left it running all week. And I would just sit down on my computer and be doing work. And I would just stop what I was doing and just play games of this for about 20 minutes. Okay. And then I would quit. And then I would go do other stuff. Because you've got, this is the ultimate desktop distraction. It is. You just play it, and then you're like, oh, I died seven times. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go do some other stuff. So uh, I played it a lot. I got the, yeah, I got, there's a, there are ways to get far in this game. You sort of nailed one where you don't go very far yes. from the beginning. Because you can start the very first thing in the game and ask you what if you want to get the sin to the end. Okay. Yeah. A sin. If you say no, sometimes there'll just be a crap load of money sitting there or gems. So you might get uh, 1,500 gold pieces with the gyms right away. Yeah, or and then, you might just get smacked yeah. immediately. Also, sometimes I've had the dragon appear. Even a first level dragon will smoke you. Yeah. And so it's totally random. But sometimes you get lucky and they just pile loads of cash on you. I never had that oh, happen. Yeah. Just gold, gold, gold. And then as soon as you get that money, you head right up to that end. And level. Bank and sometimes, it, yeah. but I mean, it's all luck, really. Well, there is you know, a, an exponential I mean, amount of luck involved, but the, yes. The thing is, you've got to play 50 games. And on one of those games, you're going to have everything go your way at the beginning. And then you can amass magic arm. Like, I had elven boots, and I had a magic shield. I started getting some good stuff, and that gave me... Less likelihood of getting killed. More survivability. More easy uh, yeah. evasion. And that meant something in the game. And then once, then once you get a game going that's real exciting, then you're in. But yeah. you've got to know that that great game and your awesome character can't get done like that <laughs> yes. when opening an exploding treasure chest or yes. falling in a pit. So it, it definitely is brutal. Uh, I Also, I enjoy that there are magic potions in the game. Yeah. There are scrolls. Uh, a ton that something I don't like, but I at least respect. Um, there are are liches and wraiths in the game that yeah. will put you at negative, give you negative levels. Yes, just like in real D and D, those guys suck. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed this, Aaron. Yeah. I I did really you had too fun. far into the spell casting. In this? I did. You I would cast. To. I would yeah. cast a spell every time I played. Yeah, you've got to. First of all, turning the undead. It helps. I mean, if you have, it's just like D and D. Get that uh, get that intelligence and wisdom up so you can cast it. But it's tough to get a character that can do it all. So you really, you're right. Spending a lot of time on the screen where you actually uh, pick your stats. I mean, in the long run, but often I would just pick whatever just because I knew I was going to get killed anyway. Just out of curiosity, how many times did you name, take the time to name your character more than 80 I ASDF? Did, I named him probably 20 times, and after that, it's <laughs> yeah, like, well, it's, just like, it's time for B6 to go in. <laughs> yeah. You know, B6 to get creamed. You know, so yeah, I understand that. Uh, but you know it, it is what it is. I mean, what can you say about it? If you're, you're, you're it may not be your cup of tea, but you, you might dig it. Now, do you realize, Aaron? Yeah. That in the in the pure blood community, this yeah. is not considered a roguelike because it lacks one of the fundamental elements. Really? What do you is know it? what that is? What is it? No random maps. Oh, really? The maps that the things that happen on the map are random. But the the layout of the map is the same really? every single time. I didn't even notice that because I was yes. dying so much. So there yep. are probably maps sitting around for this. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the map area is gargantuan. Listen, it's got two, was it two hundred was it two hundred million rooms? Or like well, that? no, I'm not the that much. Right. Community to get over themselves. <laughs> this right here is if this ain't roguelike. I don't know what is. Uh, we did get a review 
It's it's funny because it's our good buddy Rob Flack O'Hare. Yes. If you haven't checked out Flack, my gosh, where have you been? He hosts the amazing podcast. You don't know Flack, the long running granddaddy of podcasts. And he also has a great show called Sprite Castle, where he takes a look at uh, various C sixty four games. And he has a great show called Like a DOS, where he looks at old DOS games. So he's played Rogue and played a lot of these roguelike games. Uh, Flack writes in, he says, I played three games of Telegard in less than a minute and had a few seconds left over. Finally, I found a game that properly simulates my own personal odds of surviving in a dungeon full of monsters. Am I accidentally attacking myself? Is the armor made of jello? My character is an embarrassment to any guild. Telegard is a great game for people with busy schedules who only have 9 to 12 seconds to play a game. I, I think Flack That's true. says it all right there. Uh, the Brent. I did look this up uh, on eBay. Man, here we go with the eBay, Brent. So, okay. you know, this game has an awesome box. I yes. remember even back in the day when I didn't play these games, I thought, man, look at this. That's a cool-looking box. It, it is. And Telengard's a cool-looking name. Yeah. So I looked the different versions up that I could find. <laughs> I found an Atari 800 75, uh, uh, complete in-box version for $75. Not bad. By the way, these pretty much all look the same. Uh, I found... Uh, a uh, there are versions that there that are multiple versions in one box. Okay. Okay. And so uh, you'll see those occasionally. I found one that was going for two hundred twenty-three bucks. I found one that didn't have the tape or booklet, but it did have the box. Hey, listen, oh, go okay. put it on your shelf. Yeah, but man, I, I want twenty-five bucks. I want the biggest box of this you can. That's I mean that's half the well, fun. Go go pay two hundred twenty-three dollars. No, I work in a print shop. You want to do that? Well, go print your own <laughs> manual then. Would be my suggestion. But yeah, I have to say, uh, Brent, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't exactly licking my chops to play roguelike games. Well, but I had a lot of fun with well, it. Well, Aaron, with roguelike games, you never know what you're gonna get. Mm -hmm. But do you know what someone that you always know what you're gonna get? No, what? Bam. Retro Rewind. Oh, of course. And the good guy up there in old Canada. Yes, sir. Mr. Frank himself. Yes. Now, uh, I, you know, this week I want to divert from our usual ad. Because, listen, we talk about, we talk about Retro Rewind all the time. Uh, RetroRewind.ca, a great place for you to get parts uh, for your various collar machines. Everything from the uh, lowly uh, C64 all the way up to the mighty Amiga 4000. Everything in between. Uh, if you need parts, uh, if you need uh, uh, replacement caps, if you need diagnostic tools, and even things like uh, accelerator boards, Frank is your man. And also, if, of course, if you have the Curiosity Color Computer, uh, Frank will take care of you as well with uh, a plethora of great items. Uh, Frank has been, uh, and he posted this on Twitter, so I feel okay to say that Frank's had a rough go of it recently. He's a, a very serious illness in his family. Oh, right? no. Yeah, and so... I want to give Frank a special shout out uh, from ARG Presents. Not because Frank's a good buddy of ours. Not because uh, Frank is a, a our, our very nice and kind sponsor. Because Frank's a real good guy, and I certainly hope that everything goes well for you up there, Frank, and the family. Uh, and uh, I can't give you any more provocation to check out uh, RetroRewind.ca except to tell you that I trust this man with my computers. He fixed my Vectrix. And your Vectrix, yeah. He, he, he's a man that uh, is uh, at the top of his game with decades of experience at the highest level of repair. If you are in North America uh, or just want to ship overseas to go to the best 
you can't beat Frank and Richard Rewind CA. And we hope everything goes better with you for you, Frank. What do you got this week, Fred, on the wheel? Now, Aaron, our new piece added to the wheel is a little thing called Horrible Arcade Ports. <laughs> okay, who suggested that one, Fred? I can't read that. It's, uh, let's see here. It's it's not that piece, Aaron. It's, oh, uh, oh, Laurent Giroux. That's right. Beautiful. We love Laurent. Uh, and Brent, what's the Retro Rewind piece? The Retro week? Rewind piece this week is the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx? Yes. Outstanding. I could actually go for some Atari I'm Lynx. I'm not going to lie. I do like the Lynx. I will not lie to you. Brent, give this thing a spin. Let's see what we're doing next week. Man, a mighty spin. You're going to rip that thing in half one of these days with spins like that. Here we go. And what do we got here? Rot Row family. Oh, man. We have a little chat choice. Okay, so how does this work, Brent? Aaron, we need the good people at chat to give us a system, a topic, anything they want to see us do. Just start shouting it out now, and we will randomly pick one of your suggestions to do live on the show next week. So if you have a system you would like to see us do, maybe a publisher that you would like to see uh, a game from, is it a a type of game? Mm -hmm. Is it a... A, 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 a game from a certain point of time in history. Anything, now is your time. We're going to give you about two minutes to throw your suggestions in chat. Then we're going to bundle all those up, hit it with a random number generator, and see what we've, we've got. We've got some great suggestions already, including CPC Plus games, Sword and Sorcery games, uh, C64 from David Z, games featuring motorbikes, games for a genre that you normally hate. <laughs> just did that one. Games despite both. These are all great. These are all great ideas. You know, Brent. While we're waiting for the chat to uh, spout these out, uh, let's go ahead and talk about our next big event that's coming up. We're gonna leave it right here as we talk about it. And that and that event, Brent, is ARG's Thanks for Giving Marathon. Yes. Uh, this will be coming up on the tw- on the twenty fifth of November. That's correct. Which is just a couple weeks away, Brent. Less than two weeks. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, if you're in the States, uh, myself and the Brent will be here in the arcade live at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for many, many hours of gaming action. We're going to run right into Amigos that night. We're going to be playing non-stop games that we spit on this wheel. All sorts of random fun, Brent. Yeah, the way it's going to work this year, uh, we, in the past, we've taken suggestions from fans. Uh, we've, we've done some systems on the wheel. This year, we are going to take different genres of games. We're talking first-person shooters, sport games, RPGs, flight sims. We're going to grab all those pieces, shove them on the wheel, and we're going to spin about every 30, 45 minutes, whatever floats our boat. And we're going to take a game from that genre, play it for everyone at home. Uh, And don't worry, this is not a cry for money. This is not a cry for donations. Now, if you come and you do those type of things, we're not going to kick you out the door. But this is just to say thanks for all of our fans, all the support we've gotten for Amigathon, uh, and all of our supporters across all the shows. That's just, right. Just something to say thank you. Let us entertain you uh, on the day after Thanksgiving here in, in, in the United States. That's right. Totally free. It'll be on Twitch. Uh, just please check in. It'll be 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Okay. Let's close the polls, Brent. Yes. And Brent is now going to random. I'm watching him do random things. This is on the level. He's going to pick. And here we go. 
the eleventh okay. choice down. Okay, so I'm gonna let so you scroll, scroll to the top, and we'll start right here with the very first yep. one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11. There it is. TI 994A games. Yes. TI 994A games. Excellent. We have not covered that. By the, the way, TI that was forever. a suggestion from the good, the great, the Mitsuyama. That's right. That's one we haven't covered. I saw some other stuff. Listen, all your suggestions, we're going to write these down. Because I don't know tons, how to spell. There were tons of great suggestions in there. I saw Wild Wild West games. That's a great idea. Motorbike games. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, excellent work. This is the easiest it's been for us with the challenge. Yeah. Thank you guys for throwing <laughs> those out. Listen, uh, we've taken enough of your valuable time here on a Sunday evening. I want to give everybody uh, a fondue from us here at ARG Oh, I want some fondue. Yeah, hey, listen, fondue party at, uh, next week, eh? Uh, and until we meet again for TI-99 4A games, get out, go play some roguelikes. You can play 600 in the time it took to watch this show. Adios, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. A special thank you to Deccan Styles for our vector-style graphics and Bartbit for our amazing music. If you'd like to help keep ARG spinning, you can do so at patreon.com slash ARG Presents. Just like these fine folks. Richard Arlet, Smith. 17. Laron Garut. Templar Mar. Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalogy, Airshack, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, O'Rong, Super Tech Boy, David Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Brown, W. Betke, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhardt Lucas, Steve Rathmason, Anthony Jarvis, Bitter Blitter, Jocko 6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Black O'Hara, Jason Warns, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo Edel, The Slow Norris, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rolo. They all have access to our Discord channel, their name called out in the credits and visualize in the ending scene. Have an idea for a wheel piece? You can send it to us at argpresents at mail.com.